just like, start checking. Boom. Boom. Dang it. Come on now. Connor, come we on. We it. We need like some. Toss it. There down. we go. Oh, whoa. Welcome in to the Bogey Bro banter. I'm, I'm, I can't even. After that sentence you just said, like, I, I feel sick. Don't, don't worry about, about it. Don't think about it, dude. Oh. I gave Trevor and Hunter a fun fact before this that's slightly unsettling. Well, it's, yeah, we can't. We can't. No, talk we can't about talk about it. it. There's I no chance. Just, all I do is say it was unsettling. It is very unsettling. I feel unsettled. Well, okay. <laughs> let me let me settle you down with a, a nice ad read from our friends over at Disc Dot. Sponsor today's episode. Disc Dot is a simple and effective training tool for your disc golf putting practice routine. The Disc Dot simply clicks onto a single chain link in your practice basket, providing a highly visible focal point to give you instant feedback and results. Brightly colored for less eye strain, the Disc Dot will help you build muscle memory and confidence, which leads to more putts made on the course. We need that, am I right? Yep, yes. you're right. This dot is a training tool of choice for top professional athletes such as Kristen Tatar, Gannon Bird, Johnny McRae, and more. Disc golf education and training programs worldwide such as Uplay and DGA, DG Academy use this dot to help teach the importance of the focal point while putting. If it works for them, it could work for you too, but don't take our word for it. Visit disc.usa.com right now and use the code FOUNDATION to save 20% and find out for yourself. Huge shout out to this dot and thank you for supporting the banter. Uh, I've used the disc dot here and there, uh, but Trevor and I, if you haven't seen on Patreon, are now focused on getting better at disc, disc golf, and the disc dot's going to be an integral part of my putting practice routine because it's going to give me that feedback of not only am I making the putt, but I'm hitting the basket where I want to. We're also probably going to have a video come out soon um, where you miss the disc dot, you get shocked or something crazy. I don't know. Or hit the wrong disc dot. Or hit the wrong disc dot. Or hit the right disc dot. There's a lot of different ways this could go. Mm, So you're not going to miss that out, but be sure to head over to disc.usa.com and use the code foundation. And uh, yeah, you can prove your practice right alongside us. Connor, I got to tell you a story, man. Oh, you're telling me a story? I'm telling you a story. I (laughs) I texted Trevor out of shock value yesterday when this happened to me. Okay. But I, I wanted to save you for the banter. Yeah, saving best for last. I understand. Well, I wanted the camera on you. Well, you don't need it on right now. So you, re- I, I said I went to yesterday when I left work early. Uh-huh. I said I was going home to meet a landscaper, right? Yep. So you've been to my house. It wasn't yeah. a landscaper. I've been there. It wasn't a landscaper. This whole, no, it was a landscaper. So I show up. Turns out murderer. this guy was there to kill me. <laughs> it might as well have been. Uh, so I show up. Super nice guy. First off, very professional. Highly recommend him. What was his name? Scott. He just was an employee at a landscaping place. I'm not going to say the landscaping place's name because the rest of the story doesn't go so oh, well for okay. them. All right. Um, I love slandering landscapers. So, uh, <laughs> show up. And so, the front, we have like these two uh, rhododendrons that have yeah. kind of overtaken the house yeah, they're on the beautiful. side. That's they are beautiful. Uh, then we have this front flower bed and then it kind of wraps around the side. So we first show him that, and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is kind of what we're thinking. I was like, I don't know if these rhododendrons can be trimmed back. And he's like, no, the way they're overtaking the house, like, you're going to be a lot happier if we did get something that's never going to get that big. Mm. And then we can, like, plant around it, blah, blah, blah. So he's, are, saying, all so the, he's saying all the right words. Liz yeah, and I are yeah. like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. This yeah. is great. He said um, rhododendron? Like, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I didn't even know that. Did you know was. that's what they were no. before he said that? <laughs> Trevor and them called them azalea bushes. Yeah, that was me. I called them that, but they're yeah. way too big to be azalea. Yeah, they're rhododendrons. So, anyways, uh, we're so stupid. he's talking through, yes. like, you know, we can do this, 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 like, plants, blah, 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 landscape. Then I was like, all right, well, let's walk around the back and show you the back. What we want to do is basically, I, right now, we have this concrete slab that's, like, maybe at max 10 foot by 10 foot right outside my back door. That's okay. kind of, like, in that little, like, it's a little cutout. Like, the basement steps are here, living room's here, guest bedroom's here. In between those three walls is a concrete slab that yeah, makes like, the house like flat across. Like a little patio. 
Yeah, so it's just this tiny little patio right now that's not very usable. We have a fire pit in the middle. We can have like two or three chairs around it, but we can't entertain out there. Gotcha. So what Liz right. and I wanted to do was get a quote on putting pavers on that and then extending like a semicircle out over towards like uh to like go onto like this part of my house, right? So it kind of like is a semicircle here and then to make it balance like a small semicircle on this side. Gotcha. Basically pavers, semicircle, semicircle. Okay. We don't know what this is going to cost. Yeah. At all. We had determined that between the landscaping and that, we like if they said it was we, we assumed it was going to be more than this, but we wanted to just get a quote in case. Yeah. We were like, if it's $6,000 or less, we'll do it. If it's more than $6,000, we're going to have to like think, think about and it. talk yeah, about yeah. it. Like be like, is this something we get? Like how much value is going to add to our house? Is mm-hmm. this something we want to save up for? If it got over $10,000, it was an instant no. Okay. So we were thinking it's probably going to get close to 10000 probably going to be an instant no. So we asked them to separate the front landscape. Oh, this is interesting. I didn't hear And this part. the back patio. Yeah, because uh-huh. we're like we want the front landscape done no matter what. That yeah. shouldn't be very expensive. Surely not. All we need is just it some plants. Like all we need is it. some plants brought in and a tree cut out. Yeah, not not even a tree, a, a bush. We need yeah. a bush taken out and some plants brought in and then mulch. So we're thinking that's gonna be. We can get this guy to do that, and then we'll just hear what he says for the back. Yeah. So he doesn't tell us any prices yet. Uh, he's just kind of walking around and then he's like get, getting his measurements. And I did notice when he measured, I was like, this space is bigger than I thought. There's no way this is going to be more than $10,000. Yeah. But I'm thinking it's going to be like 10 to 12. And so I'm like, we're going to, we're not going to do it. But like, just cause he measured and it was like 15 feet off the house is mm-hmm. where we were like, this is probably a good spot. And once he started measuring, I was like, this is a pretty big patio. I'm like, okay, well this is going to be a, a no go, but at least we're getting him for the landscaping. So he walks us through everything and like starts talking and, you know, talk through some different ideas. I was like, uh, he goes, yeah. So the next step, you know, um, I think we can do all this for you. The next step would be going into our design phase and, you know, when you meet with our designers, pick out the exact colors, all of that, they'll mock it up for you, give you the exact plans we're going to put in. You'll get like a 3d rendering of everything, blah, blah, blah. He goes, that part will be 1500 bucks for the design phase. And so I'm looking at him and I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, so that's just the design part. And so I told him then I was like, I was like, okay, yeah. For, my first goal was I didn't want this man to feel like I was wasting his time. Yeah. Because he came out here. He'd spent like 20 minutes answering questions and stuff mm-hmm. with us. So I was at no point ever going to let him see on my face what I was reacting mm-hmm. to. Because when he right. said 1500 for design you, process, you know I immediately yeah. said to myself, we're not using this guy. This is like getting a free sample somewhere. Yeah. At this point. And so he was like, it's going to be 1500 bucks. You know, we'll get you the full rendering. We'll have the exact plan. He goes, and then uh, we are really booked. He's like, so we won't be able to get to, like, we can do that within the next month. And then we'll probably be able to get to the project, like, end of November. Strike oh two. So yeah. Liz and I are like, well, we don't, like, the, end of November. Yeah, why what? the frick do we want in the middle of the winter? Like, yeah. Like, snow on the ground. Yeah. Like, no thank you. So, anyways, it still hasn't said anything about price. So he goes, so does that all like sound good? Something you want to move forward with? It's like, well, can you give us like a ballpark? I was like, I know you can't give us a quote until the design, but He's like, like, you want to fit a whole ballpark back here? <laughs> I was like, can yeah, you just give me like well. a ballpark figure just so I know? I was like, because we're getting this quoted out by a few different other people. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know like where y'all compare before we decide to go on yeah. to the $1,500 design process. That's well worded. Spoiler alert, we're not doing that. Yeah. But yeah. I was just like, what is this guy going to cost? He goes, all right, well, you know, he's like, so this is going to include everything, you know, the softscaping up front hardscaping in the back. Very cool wording, by the way. That's yeah, cool wording. Cool wording. Uh, what about the manscape? Dang it. Gotcha. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, yeah, so, you know, the softscaping up front and around the side, he's like, low end, that's going to cost about eight grand. And I like, I looked at him and at that point, I immediately, I'm like, 
what is this patio about to cost Bro, me? Hunter, you get me over there with a, for a glass of lemonade and a sandwich. <laughs> and I that's can, what, this and is what I I'm hoping rip. this story is leading to, is all of us going and doing your landscaping. <laughs> I say, I could, we can rip that tree Oh, no, I'm getting together. some more. I'm definitely getting more quotes because... I say... But we're not even done. We're not done. Because yeah, okay. that's the softscape. Let me give you a plan then afterwards. Okay, so that's the softscape. <laughs> he tells me eight grand. And again... No yeah, facial reaction from dead me. Straight face. Because I'm I'm inside That's... laughing very hard. Yeah. And I'm hoping Liz I'm hoping Liz behind me, her jaw isn't on the floor. The landscapers we, in the comments. We are both like, kept gonna, ourselves together right now. For this, but and so homeboy that? says eight grand for that. I'm like, what the frick? So and then I was like, okay, yeah, uh, what's the patio like? What about for the patio? He goes, with what's your plan in here? He goes, low end twenty, high oh end twenty five thousand. So oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is he goes, that is, he goes criminal. Bro. He goes, all in. He goes, I he's he goes, all in, don't expect less than thirty thousand when it's all said and done. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, man, for sure. And then and he's like, Well, you have me out here for the consultation. Any other questions or anything? You know, take advantage of me while I'm out here. Like, let let me know anything. And Liz and I are both like no, I think I think we're good. I think we, you answered everything. Yeah, please oh leave my, my house. Yeah, get out of here. I don't <laughs> want to know how much this consultation costs. It was seventy bucks. Yeah, okay, it was. Right. I, okay, Liz, that, Liz that's Liz like the only reasonable me, thing. Liz told me we we're getting a free quote, and mm-hmm. then he was like, "Yeah." So uh, after that, he was like, "So if you guys want to move forward, you know, you can just reach back out to me." Blah blah blah. And then he goes, um, "Did you guys? Did they send you the email for the consultation invoice?" And I was like. Not that I know you gotta of. You got to be terrified at that moment. And yeah. Liz is like, Liz You've, is like, no, not yet. She goes, I, I did see in the email where you could write a check. And I was like, oh, I can write you a check. He goes, well, if you'd rather pay online, he goes, they'll they typically send it like the next day if they didn't send it yet. I was like, okay, we can just pay online. That would I would have been. And then Liz is like, it was, Liz told me inside, she's like, it was seventy bucks. I was like, that's fine. Okay, yeah, that's what terrifying. I mean, I would have been, been like, oh my gosh. Like, all right, let me take out a loan. Here's, for here's, the, here's, here's the game plan, Connor be, or Hunter, because you can tell me too if you like. Yeah, both of you because. The front yard is the main thing that needs to be tackled, right? Yeah. Easy. And par- Easy. a big part of the work and probably what they're quoting is getting those trees out. Just dig that crap up, man. So we all dig it up and then you get a quote. Because like the mm. the, the fancy stuff, the fancy part is Why don't, the we, mulch and the planting, right? But the fancy part is just we'll mulch do the, planting. You can just yeah. buy We'll plants. do the dirty work. Yeah. I'm just saying if you wanted to go halfway, but we yeah, can but also just pulling mulch the, and Pulling plant. the bushes out is the hardest part. You no, might no, as well I've, mulch I've and plant I've already accepted that. I'm doing this. Yeah. I'm no not doing problem. the back patio. Screw that. Screw that. We noise. can pour so concrete. Are you, trying, are you another... trying to pour concrete or are you trying to just put like Pat, stones? Just pavers. Down? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's e- that's not. Well, I mean, either. we were gonna have to like level it up, and there would have been some. There, there been I don't. Some I don't want to do the paver part. There's been. Some, there's been some effort for that. I am yeah, getting I mean, another that, guy. That takes a little bit more. My dad. Skill. So just my dad put in. That is crazy. Eight thousand dollars just to rip some trees out of that. So my dad crazy. is getting me in contact with his landscaper, and um. This guy maybe it's because you're doing, a young couple with a with a maybe. house in a nicer neighborhood, and he was just thinking like they could get you. That's the thing that if I put that patio in and did the landscaping, it would be more than ten percent the value of my house. Right, that's to do not, that more uh, than ten percent. I, 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 bet, I wonder if it's because y'all are a young couple and like thirty thousand. I feel thought, like I could. I feel like I could screen in the porch and put a roof on that patio. Yeah, that's what maybe I'm maybe as soon as he told you that maybe it's like this. Like he tells you that design fee, and if you don't flinch because you're and you are acting, but maybe I was fully. Maybe acting. if you don't flinch, then he's like ooh. And then he goes to another price. I think what and if you is, don't flinch on that one, he does even higher to see what he. Can I think. Get. I think what that was was because he couldn't get me till November. I think that they are just like the fat cats at City Hall. Like they got yeah, all the yeah. all the work they want in the world, and they're like, we don't really We're need anything, anything else in schedule. So like something they normally do for 10, 15 grand, they're like thirty. 
You bite, we'll do it in November. You don't capitalism. bite, that's fine. I think what you're I think that's victim, what was going you're on. You're the victim of capitalism. I think what I would have done the moment that he said just the fee for them uh, using a software that they have, I would have been like this. Get off of my property right now. <laughs> no, I wanted him to, think, I wanted him to feel like he didn't design? waste his time like, with this like two young yeah. kids. For somebody, no, I, I understand And so I was just like, oh, okay. For yeah. somebody to yeah. hop in a design software and like... Whip up a boop, porch boop, boop. real quick and some trees in the front. Like that could that must take like, they, they're probably less than using, two hours. They're probably using Sims Four. <laughs> like I can do that in ten minutes. Minecraft, bro. <laughs> what did they give it to you? It was Minecraft. That'd be so funny. <laughs> it's like you see the dirt what, blocks here no, look really good like, with this like, acacia I've actually wood. got like kind of like a drawing drawn out of like what I wanted to look like. Can and I show you? Come, show, come in the house. Come in my game room. And it's just a Minecraft, Minecraft like world. You yeah, so my Minecraft. dad. My dad has a landscaping guy. He's used for my whole life. And this guy, like, he doesn't have, like, a company. Like, he's just a landscaper. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's getting, he already, before this guy ever showed up, we knew we were getting a quote from him, too. So I called my dad after because I just wanted the shock value to my dad. And my dad had, I don't know if y'all have seen it, he had, like, this retaining wall put in and, like, a three-tier patio yeah, put in yeah. with a fire pit in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Way more extensive than what I was looking for. Right. Um, That's way a more very space. nice space, yeah. And, and to get it, they had, like, bring dirt in dig up his already existing sidewalk and like all this stuff way more extensive project so i just called my dad the first thing i said was i was like how much did you end up paying for your patio and retaining wall he goes i i don't know son he goes i would know the the range uh he's like why i was like well we just got a quote for our patio i was like it was was pretty pretty small patio compared to yours and i was just trying to see if we're in the same ballpark he goes well you shouldn't be anywhere close to the same ballpark i was like well, did you pay 30000 for yours? He goes, what? <laughs> he goes, no. He goes, we weren't even close to 30000 What are you talking about? Oh, that's so And I was, like, I was like, yeah, because that's what he quoted me for mine and my landscape. And he goes, oh, son, you, you told him no, right? I was like, of course I told him no, Dad. <laughs> I was like, actually, I didn't tell him anything. I just told him, oh, yeah, we'll get in touch. And I was like, I let him drive off to never see him again. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, well, well, did he quote you on the landscaping out front? I said, yeah, eight to $9,000. And my dad goes, Son, oh my, you, you said no to that too, right? I was like, Dad, how dumb do you think I am? I was like, of course I said no to that. I was like, I could do that in a Saturday, like one weekend of hard labor, I could do it. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one weekend of hard labor. He's like, he's like, the max that you should be paying for that landscaping game, those trees, I was like two to three grand. And he goes, and that would still like, I'd be like, that's a little expensive if someone yeah. told you that. He goes, eight to nine. He goes, what are they thinking? And I was like, I don't know. He goes, well, my guy, he's like, he, he will not be nearly that expensive. Cause, so I'm excited to hear what this guy says, mm. at least. That's and too funny. a second bright note, this guy could get it turned around in June, he said. Ah, there we mm. go. Like next month. So That's pretty sick. Dang, dude. I was just starting to get my, my, my bush. Well, yeah. we I still have to hear. Gloves in already. We still have to hear his quote. Okay. Because if he comes back at two Connor grand, and I, the... Uh, oh, we're cheap. Yeah. Oh, the, if he comes... The, if the he KT, comes, KT landscaping. If this guy comes we, back We at, come in at probably like one and a half. The breakfast nook landscaping. Yeah, well, we we come guy, in like one, one and a half. If this guy comes back at like, yeah, the front landscaping we can do for 2000 Liz and I will probably be like, okay, no. Dude. Because I've already accepted in my head, like, yeah. I'm sa- yeah. in my head, I'm now viewing, I'm it's saving $8,000 if I do it myself. <laughs> that's what it's, I'm already viewing. It's like, what else can I spend $8,000 It's got to be a competitive on? price a with lot. your Saturday. Well, that's you know what, what I mean? We, we yeah. shut the door, and Liz just busted up laughing, and she said, 30 grand? I'd rather you just buy me another car. And I was like, 
well, B, we're not spending 30 grand. It's not She's like, like, well, if we already have 30 grand in the budget, <laughs> yeah. then yeah. we should just like, not do this. I was like, he said that number. I didn't say that number. That is We're so not funny. just like, oh, how do we blow 30 grand? That's really to funny. It's a patio or a car. Though, that's a funny. Imagine if you lived life like that, just like got quotes for things. And they were like, oh, that's way too expensive. I'm just going to use that money on something else I want. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, my God. For a patio, I'm just going to buy a car. And it's like, yeah. we weren't, no, we're not doing that. The fun, I didn't realize people paid for stuff like that because, so whenever I was really young, Slight, really shortened life story. Really, here, right here. Remember, I was really young, like until I was like in right getting into middle school. My dad made a like a, lot, a decent amount of money at his job, and we had a really nice house with eighteen acres and a, and a huge farm that didn't produce anything. We just had horses because we liked them, and so we were like we were doing pretty well. Well, then that was like around the time of a somewhat recession, and my dad lost his job and had to go back to a job that was like paid nothing. Um, like not nothing compared to what he was making, but like nothing. It was like a very, very low income job. So we like sold our house and everything and lived with my grandparents for like a summer and then eventually got our house that they live in now. And, but we, so we spent a a good bit of my childhood not having a lot of money and we did everything ourselves and his parents, my dad's parents didn't have a lot of money. So they did everything themselves. My grandpa was a truck driver and him and my, and him and my dad would do all the fixing to his truck. They would put the tires on his truck. They would do all the maintenance and everything. They do everything around the house. So that's like, just, I grew up with us doing everything. Fast forward to now, my dad has now worked his way back up to where he's now got a decent paying job again, but he still has like the mindset of like I can do whatever just with it, usually I YouTube it and he does it or we do it together and I'll YouTube it to figure out how to do it and um but now they're doing a bunch of landscaping to their house and my dad's working a lot more and going out of town a lot more so he's having to introduce the idea in his head of getting other people to do things and so he comes in and has people quote things and we're just like how is that so expensive? <laughs> Why do people pay so much money for that? Like, oh, just what's going on? To give you an idea, last year my dad uh, borrowed a bobcat from his from a friend and like an excavator and dug up the whole yard to to uh, build himself his like a French drain. He put his his own French drain into the yard, like for the septic system mm-hmm. because the septic wasn't working and so he got it quoted and was like I don't want to pay that and so he just dug it all up himself and put all, ran all the hoses himself and it's just it's just funny but it wasn't till I got into college and I was like hearing all my friends and stuff like that and I was like you can pay someone to get your oil changed <laughs> like, discovering all that stuff and so whenever I hear things like that it is crazy to me that is just it's completely yeah, I don't know who's paying I mean if you look on their website, they do really good work. Like they do much better work than I, bu- I would ever better. be able to do. They better. But yeah, they don't I, do that good of work. Those trees may be growing gold. They don't do that good of work. Yeah, we'll put it that way. Dang. It would. My house would have looked fantastic, but I would have regretted it every You'd time I like, stepped on mm, those yeah. stones. Yeah, and you probably would have been freaking out if like anything happened to your landscaping because like obviously your landscaping needs to be maintained. Yeah, that's the other thing too. You spend like, that much your money bed, on it? like with how many squirrels we the have and deer is like one that. Thing. The patio, that landscape is not lasting yeah. more than like two years. The patio is one thing, but like when you're doing like mulching and stuff like that, it's best to do it yourself because, yeah, like that stuff's well, gonna, that's what it's I was gonna thinking, go bad. Like, and it's like oh. the patio side, like once it got past like five or six grand to put the patio in and towards that ten thousand mark, it was just gonna be a question of like I probably would have called a real estate agent, like my friend Logan or something, and just be like, hey, how much, value? how much value is this gonna add to my house? Like having this nice patio where we can grill and stuff like that mm-hmm. like, yeah where is that line because like if, if i put 
10 in and when we sell our house, it's going to make my house worth 15 more or something. Just having that like entertainment right. space. Sure. Because that's an investment. Or even if I put 10 in and we get eight back out for it or something like that, then we're looking at, okay, I, you know, we lost two grand. We basically paid two right. grand to put we, this patio yeah. in. 30, like my house isn't going to just snap your fingers. And it's like, oh, the patio, 10% more to your house. And that's even more than that. It'd be like 15% more to your house. Like, heck no. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I don't know what these people are thinking. That's that, is, that is bizarre. So that I could, was my. I, that, make, I, I was also I was at home and I still had to like edit this Facebook video and stuff that I was doing. And I went home like thirty minutes early. I was like, "What a waste of my time!" I could tell you the list of things I could make that I would spend thirty thousand dollars on before I spend it on landscaping would be a crazy long list. Yeah, and like I think that like. I might even buy just a lifetime supply of like Capri Suns before I put in a porch for thirty thousand. I don't know if I go well. A port, yeah. If it was like a yeah, yeah, that's tough. Was the tough part is like, like that list? Would I would be rather long. have I would rather have the patio than a lifelong supply of Capri Sun. But you could at least tell people like, yeah, lifelong supply of Capri Sun cost me thirty. People are like, oh wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so that's kind of a good deal. This right. patio cost me thirty. People are like, yeah, something oh, to man. think about. I didn't realize you, you got ripped chumped. off. Yeah, dang, I'm so sorry. I just How? realized that we are having the most ironic conversation ever because we're talking about how much people charge for landscaping and stuff like that while we make frisbee videos <laughs> like well, it's you just mean, we don't charge anybody for yeah frisbee. no well, you're right you're you can I watch just, our frisbee videos for free man we're just some frisbee freaks yeah, in a freaking park you're right it was just it was just funny this golf is a cheap is a cheap uh barrier to entry man there ain't nobody charging that's right for that's nothing. right we had uh i had some people who I'm live sorry you're right it was somewhere stupid. around here in the in the gables he actually rolled up on a one wheel Connor. Whoa. Um, oh, cool. And one his, meal buddies? I'm assuming it's his wife. I, when they walked in, they walked in kind of staggered. Oh, it's was always he tricky. A, was he... Never mind. They walked in kind of staggered, so I couldn't tell if they were together, but then once they were in, they clearly... I was going to start describing this guy, and I forgot what he looked like, so I, it wasn't... Once perfect. they were in, they clearly knew each other. Is that important to the So story? I couldn't tell if they were... Me? No, it's like, no. The, is their relationship important to the No, story? no, okay. not at all. Well, <laughs> somewhat because of like, I didn't know if I was talking to both of them or if mm. I was helping the woman. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, gotcha. am I talking to a right, couple and right. answering both of their questions, right. or am I just helping this one customer? Doesn't matter. But regardless, he had played disc golf apparently years ago, but hadn't played in a long time. Mm. She had never played, uh-huh. and she was like, "So what? Why? Why are there so many discs?" And I was like explaining, "Oh yeah, like this one, you know, sharper edge goes. It's a, it's a faster disc. It cuts through the air more, but it's harder to throw. More blunt edge, easier to throw, easier to keep straight. Mm-hmm. Slower disc. So it's like a putter and driver. Blah blah blah. And then." She was like, yeah, I've seen like baskets at Peaksview Park and stuff like that before. I'm like, yeah, the Peaksview is the, the best beginner course. And then she was like, so like, what, what do you need to get started? Like, how many discs do you need? And I was like, just one. And she's like, really? So like, what are the prices? And I was like, seven, you know, $7 to $20 is the typical range. I was like, but if you're just getting started and you don't know if you're going to like it, I was like, we got a use section and you can pick up a putter for five bucks. I was mm-hmm. like, that's all you need to go yeah. out there and have a good time. She's like, really? Mind-blowing. I was like, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, even just hearing you say that, and I even know how easy it is. Like, that is just insane that you can start playing yeah. a sport for that cheap. So she was like... To it's pretty much its full extent. Yeah. So that's I'm what inspired. She, she ended up not... She didn't buy it. She's like, man. She's like, I'll have to come play, back in I'm here. i play disc golf. And then, they, like, they both walked out, and they were both just like, man, we can spend five bucks and have a new activity. I'm like, that's the joy of disc golf. It is. That is the joy of disc but golf. But the whole reason they found Meanwhile, us... Meanwhile, he had a $2,500 one wheel. Yeah. The whole reason... Yeah, it was a full-size one. It was the, the whole, GT. I think I've seen it right The around. whole reason uh, they noticed and like came in was because they said on Saturday when they went to leave their apartments, 
they noticed a line and were like, mm. what on earth is going on? And they saw it was going around the corner. It's a party. And they're like, we had to check it out. We had to see what it was. It's like, nice. just a bunch of Frisbees. Just a bunch of Frisbees. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's my favorite part is like that's the store opening like had to look crazy to the apartment community in here. And then they walk into our store and they're like, they're Frisbees. That, I was yeah. <laughs> uh, like, what are, they, are they handing out free iPhones ha- around the corner? Kind of, they like, have to be money laundering in here. Yeah. What is going on behind that door right there? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know. Nothing you good. don't want to know. <laughs> Nothing good back here. Like, just think about if you didn't know what disc golf it's was. It's a mattress shop back here. And you saw this huge line wrapped around the building, and you went into the store, and it was just a bunch of Frisbees. <laughs> I think I think that would be your first Disc golf assumption. is a cult. Yeah. It's a good one, though. On on Sunday at my church, I was I was playing in the band, and there's uh, the guys like doing like the welcome or whatever. They were just like checking their mics, and so they were just thinking of things to talk about, so the sound guys could check could like check their mics and everything. And one of the guys, his name is Peter, and he walked. He like I know him, and he knows found. He's like a foundation fan and everything. And um, he, whenever I was doing the ace challenge, he walked by. He was playing the course, and so oh, nice. he saw me doing that. And so he was telling the other guy that was on stage with him. He was like, yeah, because they were just trying to find things to talk about. He was like, oh yeah, Connor right here. He um he works for a company called Foundation Disc Golf, and uh, like this all. He was like explaining it to him and everything, and uh. The guy looked at me and I was like, yep, I like to play the Frisbees. And then he was like, oh, yeah, but so it is okay to call them Frisbees? And I was like, I said Frisbees ironically. And then it was it was a funny moment. That was it. I don't mind people calling them Frisbees. I say Frisbees ironically I kind of like it. it's funny. I kind of like, I like the vibe like that it, it produces. I like but it. Like it's it not depends like, on the moment. Here's how it works, okay? When it depends you, on where you are. How, here's how it works. When you first get into disc golf, it's a no-no. You don't call them Frisbees. But then once you're yes. in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. once you're in it long enough to where like you you know the rules, then you can start calling it. It's yes. like, it's yeah, like yeah. English, the English language. Yeah. Okay. Once you're a good enough, good enough author at writing... You can break the rules of the English language intentionally to help get a point across. Mm. Like gotcha. the best, the best authors use bad grammar, I'm but really, they use it intentionally. Do you think, to make people feel? I'm really ways. into calling them golf discs. I don't think people call them golf discs. I think golf discs is cool. That's what my English teacher, my literature teacher, used to teach us. Was like teach us all these rules, and, and we were like, "Why do we need to know this?" And she's like, "Well, when you're writing, you can intentionally break this rule, and it'll make people feel this way." So like you write it this way, this way, this way, and then when you break this rule, it'll help convey this message. Essentially, I was like, yeah. fascinating. It's kind like, of the same thing in disc golf. It's like Once if somebody, you know it, you if it. somebody like if a, if an older guy kind of knew what I did, and I was around him, and he was explaining to somebody else, he was like, oh yeah, he's a frisbeer. He's one of those frisbeers, one of those frisbee mm, that's golfers. That's not cool. That's not cool. I think but frisbee. As soon as you say frisbee me, golf, then it's not cool. Yeah, it's, okay. It's like it's right. like you're holding. I'm a, learning so much. I think if you're like holding a disc in your hand to the point where like you know, like they know you know it's a disc. Like the person you're talking to has to know your expertise enough to know that you know it's called a disc, right? If I was talking to some beginner, and I, I would not be saying, yeah, this frisbee is pretty cool. But if I'm talking to somebody who's in the disc golf scene and knows that they're a disc, then I would say, yeah, this frisbee is a pretty cool frisbee. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's. Just, I have now. Gotta gotta have, you gotta I definitely feel say for it. frisbee more than disc these days. Mm. Mm. That's, See, tough. that's, that's a tough yeah. spot to be. Mm. In Don't there. know if you want to yeah. do that. Oh, okay. I I'm, think that's a no. I am just kidding. That's going to be a no for me. All right. You're not going to Hollywood. I keep on seeing these uh, clips. I, I watch a lot of YouTube shorts instead of TikTok. 
because I just don't go on TikTok, but I go on YouTube to watch YouTube videos, and then I get lost watching shorts for like an hour. Um, but I keep on seeing all these Shark Tank ones. And I love Shark they're Tank. They're so Shark intriguing Tank. to me. I have so some, intriguing. I have had my some favorite, crazy phases where I just watched my favorite like hours of Shark CNBC Tank. show. I think that's what, that's what Shark Tank is mm-hmm. on, right? Is The Prophet What's with that? Marcus Lemonis. Oh, you've never ever, watched The Prophet. I've only ever watched Shark Tank on that channel. Oh man, this is the best. <laughs> this is the best TV show ever. So Marcus Lemonis is a billionaire who owns like Camping World, R, like the that RV store. He owns a few other things. Okay, uh, billionaire. He's like. Low billionaire, like one point some billion. Oh, okay, so just okay. a small billionaire. Why is yeah. he even on a TV show then? No, so Stupid. basically what he does is businesses that are like have good bones but are failing to a certain mm-hmm. degree will reach out to him and be like, Hey, would you be interested in investing in our business? And so then his team will like screen all of these and pick out the ones they feel like are gonna have like the best storyline and stuff like that to make good TV. But it's like for him, it's a hundred percent real investment and stuff. And you can tell in the show that he's not like, like some of it will be like somewhat staged, but you can tell the like actual bones of what he's doing. Yeah. He doesn't mess around. So he'll walk in. So like tip, he wouldn't do something with us like foundation or like retail a lot of times, unless like he does it with more proprietary stuff. Like okay. they make their own furniture, yeah, yeah, they yeah, make yeah, their yeah, own yeah. whatever stuff that he feels like he can scale or he can use his connections to bring. And so he basically comes in and first thing he does, he meets all the people that work there, talks to them, walks them, like they walk them through. And up front, the owners always have everything together. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Typically, the first thing you'll notice is one of the owners, if there's multiple owners or the main owner, will at some point, he'll be like, so what's your cost on this? And they won't know. Strike number one. But that, that happens pretty much every episode. People never know their numbers. And, he, and he'll always be like, well, you knew I was coming, right? And they're like, yeah. He goes, and you still didn't take time to learn your numbers? And they'll be like, they're like well, you know, it's, it, it, it fluctuates so much. He goes, oh, okay, okay, that's fine. And then he's like, so tell me about this. And just brushes it to the side. But you know you're like, oh, he's coming back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then he'll like talk to the owners. He's and like then, the Gordon Ramsay of money. Certainly, yeah. Sounds like it. And he goes around and like he'll check out the whole shop and just be taking mental notes of things that he feels like I could immediately do this, this, this. And so then he sits down with them and he's like, all right, show me your P&L, your profit and loss and your balance sheet for the past few years. And he goes over them line by line. And then he's like, okay. So at this point is when he's either ready to invest or sometimes he's like, look, I'm willing to help you guys. And if we can fix these things, then I'm willing to invest. Mm -hmm. But your business is too broken right now. I can't invest because of X, Y, or Z that I saw. Or he'll be like, I'm willing to invest. That's the best part is when he's willing to invest because he'll be like, what's your business worth? Mm-hmm. 10 times out of 10, they say way too much money. Yeah. They'll be like, they'll that's be like, classic Shark Tank. They'll be like, though. what's your business worth? What would you think your business is worth? They'll be like, $3 million. Yeah, they'll be like, like three how million? much sales did you do? Uh, 100,000. Well, he'll have the profit and loss in front of him. Yeah. So they'll say $3 million, and he'll be like, guys, you lost $90,000 last year. You have 500000 in debt. How do you think your business is worth? Like, And then he immediately goes to them, and he'll be like, here's what I'll do I'll put in $500,000 to wipe out your debt. And I want 50% of your business. And mm. then they're like, well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to give away my like decision-making rights. He goes, oh, you're giving them away. And they're just like straight so up. You're right. obviously not good at it. You can see, because, well, then he'll, sometimes, sometimes he'll be like, here's the deal. You can say no to me. I'll walk away today. No problem. He goes, you will still have that $500,000 in debt and your business will be bankrupt three months from now. He goes, or you can say, yes, your debt's wiped away. I will make the decisions and I'll make you a lot of money, but you're going to have to, I will be the decision maker. You don't make any decisions. I make the decisions. And people just look at him like, 
What do we do? What and do he does do? everything on a handshake. <laughs> There's no contracts. Everything's on a oh, handshake. Oh, interesting. Fascinating. Yeah, because he's like... Well, is that TV, though? No, the, he's been... Inter- that's I watched a lot of interviews okay. with him. He's like, no, I 100%. He's like, I don't use lawyers. I handshake agreements. He goes, if you break a handshake agreement, that's fine. He's like, then I just will stop working with you. Billionaire mindset. And he's like, I, he's like, I don't, I trust. He's like, my handshake is my agreement. That's my contract. I'm like, what the frick? Yeah, that'll this never dude's, backfire. This dude's writing million dollar checks. Just like, all right, we yeah. got a deal. Like like, handshake, boom. That wow. Was like the whole but uh, that was a problem with the last ten years of disc golf. So he, <laughs> well, so then what'll happen is he'll come in and just start really shaking things up. And mm-hmm. he's really good at like managing people. So he. Almost the first thing he does is he gets in and he talks to employees and they will like point out yeah. what issues could be and stuff like that. And then he'll sit down with the owner and like start pinpointing things. And it's it's just fascinating because then typically he either fixes the business or the owner blows up at him. And uh, part of like when he shakes like he part of it is like when they talk through there's like certain deals where if he shakes their hand like he. If if he walk back, walks away, they keep the money. There's other deals where the, he's paying them directly for the percentage, mm-hmm. and there's like a certain time frame. And if he walks away in that time frame, they owe him the money back. And so then there's some deals where like they blow up at him, and he just is like, "All right, well, you know what? Tomorrow, give me a hundred thousand dollar check, and I'm out of here." <laughs> and then they're just like, "What?" It's fascinating. He, uh, but yeah, I love the show. All those CNBC shows are genius because, like, for there's instance, eight seasons of it. I've binged them all. For instance, like <laughs> Shark Tank and like this show, basically, it's business guys who are already successful in business. They're like, let's create a TV show that is going to be successful and make money because it's a successful TV show. But then it's also just going to provide investment opportunities, like Shark Tank. I mean, they're literally like, yeah, let's go ahead and get everybody with a genius idea that hasn't had a spotlight yet to come straight to us, the investors, to where we can then buy into it if we want to and, or not. And whenever yeah. someone's on Shark Tank, there's a massive bump immediately. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like, it's That's what happens so on this smart. show, too. It's like he, he... Yeah, you put him in the spotlight. He went into like a key lime pie business with uh, a company in Key West, Florida, and the guy like refused to listen to him, and that was a really good episode because the guy like... The owner ended up having like nervous breakdowns and stuff and like freaking out because Marcus was <laughs> trying to get him to see the bigger picture and like focus. And the guy finally did it and his sales like exploded because the guy like wasn't shipping pies, wasn't oh, doing yeah. all of this. And mm-hmm. Marcus was like, because he was the award winning key lime pie of the Key West, but you could only get it there. That's a big deal. Yeah. And so Marcus was like, you have this. Like, we could easily replicate this and get it nationwide. And now they're just like doing millions of pie, yeah. and pie sales. Sounds like this is this guy is basically uh, all business Brad. More or less. Uh, but Brad's just a lot nicer. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, this guy's very nice. He just. He's, he's all business. That's the other thing I love is like they'll have meetings, right? Where like he walks in and they'll be pretty much every time there's a rebrand because yeah, most yeah. of the company's branding and website sucks. And so he'll. He's also invested in like design firms and stuff. And so he'll bring these companies into his mm, design that's firms. Cool. And he like walks in and there's a des- graphic designers and stuff there. And Marcus sits down and just like every time, like he isn't like being rude or anything, but like every time he is, you can tell he's the most powerful person in the room. Uh-huh. Like whatever room he walks into, people just like submit to him every time. Yeah. And like he, he's just he's, like, his well, like, he them all. That's kind of like you here though, I feel like. No, absolutely not. Yeah, right. you're right. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he he just has like a way of like I don't know. 
And he's also has a way of just like getting getting people like he he's really I don't know he he I've always I, wanted to I like love see him too, man. I've told Liz multiple times I was like I would love just for him to come into our business and just like look through it with a fine tooth comb and just point out like yeah right dude we're all getting canned what we're missing <laughs> no that's the other thing is I've, what do you guys do I've only ever I've only ever seen him fire one person. And they were asking But it was for like, it. it was one that like, they were asking for the it. guy should have been fired years ago. Yeah, we know what he did. A lot of times, like the, there was one recently that I watched where it was uh, the only crap, the first crab shop in the Bronx. The Bronx. And this one was fascinating. Where is the Bronx? Crab New York. Shop in the yeah, Bronx. I know it's New York, but where? Like, what's the Bronx? It's just a district. It's near the zoo. Where though? Like there's Queens, Bronx, yes, Brooklyn. Yes. They're all in New York City. What do you mean? It's like yeah. Bedford. It's the outer Wilford. boroughs okay, so of the, New York so City. The Bronx. Yeah. Okay. I know. So the Bronx is one of those. Yeah. Okay. That's the Bronx Zoo. Been there multiple wondering. times. Um, and so it's he walks time. in. And this was the first one where like these two women started this crab shop. They both had like really high paying jobs. Started this crab shop. Quit their high paying jobs. Start the crab shop. And they were killing it. Like during COVID as so a they crab. Crabs? Yeah. During COVID. No. During COVID as a crab shop, a crab restaurant, they yeah. doubled their sales. In New York. That's amazing. During COVID. Somehow. Oh, People yeah. wanted that seafood. It was wild. Um, and during that time, the only guy that showed up, I forget his name, um, but there's one, I think we'll just call him Marcus. It wasn't Marcus, but I think it was like Mark or something. But there's one guy that showed up and was like their main employee during that time. Yeah. But when Marcus showed up, the other employees were talking crap about him of how this guy like doesn't, mm. you know doesn't want to work. He just like wants to sit back and play on his phone and stuff just gets past it. And so Marcus was very confused by it because he's like, the business was like, this guy saved their business well in a lot of ways during COVID. But like now a few months later, everyone in the restaurant is talking about how much he sucks. Dang, but the bro. owners wouldn't. The owners were like babying him to a certain extent. Ah, so he's the favorite. And so, well, yeah, but because what because he did during COVID. Goat, yeah. And so Clean Marcus, house, this go. was the first time that Marcus sat down. He said, what? And he looked through their numbers. And he was like, what do you think your business is worth? And they said a million dollars. And he goes, no. And I'm thinking, oh, it's worth less. He goes, uh-huh. your business is worth, he goes, do not take, if anyone ever comes in here, do not take less than $3.5 million for this business. I was wow. like, wait, what the frick? Dang, that never happened. So he bought into the business with a million dollars. And there, there was no debt on the business. It was profitable. A portion of it went to like redoing the design in the whole interior. But then the rest of it just went straight to the, the people for the percentage he bought in. I forget what he, how much it was. I guess like 30% or something. I think he made them all equal partners. But then he took this guy under his wing that he was like, knew had a lot of potential because what he did during COVID that was now like failing and took him and took him out to like go crab fishing so that they could like source it directly from uh, the coast instead of right now they're dealing with the middleman and so like cut their costs drastically and yeah. all this stuff. Uh-huh. But he took this guy under his wing and was like asked him a bunch of questions and stuff of like trying to figure out what the guy wanted. And then Marcus basically just created a whole role for him specifically that he ended up doing everything that he was slacking on in this like new role. And then he just like took off. So then it like had like an update and he was basically like had become the like full operating manager of the business and the business had like tripled and stuff like that. It was crazy. Wow. But Marcus, that's basically, I feel like at this point, someone who is like that successful and that wealthy, they're not doing like day to day administrative work. I feel like how he got there, at least Marcus, how he got there is he's just really good at reading people and knowing how to get the best out of people. Yeah. And so he basically, cause 
at this point, he's done eight seasons, and he basically invests in a business every single episode. Yeah. So the dude, not including what he did to he's become... He's got money in a lot of places. Yeah, not including what he did to become a billionaire in the first place, he now also has invested in probably at least, like, 60 businesses. So, yeah. like, obviously that dude ain't got time. To, if you spent a week with each business, you wouldn't have enough time in the year. Yeah. Right. So clearly he doesn't have enough time. So clearly he has, like, people under him, but he's very, like, intentional and personal to where, like, even in interviews and stuff, when like they ask him about a business, he can just rattle off stuff about how the business is doing currently. Wow. And I'm like, this guy's just built a team around him that he must just like meet with like every week that just Getting fills updates. him all the information on what he needs on everything. It's mm. I'm fascinated by crazy. him. That is crazy. Yeah. And yeah, I love Marcus. Marcus Limonis. I feel like if Let's I could give be it up from Marcus. Those, if I could be from one of those places in New York, like I feel like Queens always sounds cool. How about you? Brooklyn's cool. I would go Brooklyn just because the Nets. I don't like the Brooklyn Nets, but I'd want to be where Ew. I'd want to be where a basketball Ew. team is. Well, where like what part of, do you have to be in to be like? A, I feel like you can live anywhere in New York and be like. A well, you're gonna be them. within like a walking distance of the stadium, probably anywhere in those boroughs. Well, where's the where do you have to be to be close to MSG? MSG is just like Times Square, like it's right off. Right, the so main. what's close to that? All of them. Have you ever been to New York? No. You can walk pretty much if you just wanted to walk everywhere in New York between all those boroughs. You could, more or less. Yeah. Like when we went, we would walk, we like walked to Central Park and then we walked over to get on a ferry to go to uh, the Statue of Liberty and then we walked back to our hotel. Awesome. And the other thing too is it never actually gets dark in New York because well around Times Square, well because it's so bright. Like yeah. Times Square is basically at the sun. That's amazing. So like you can be out at 3 a.m. I was supposed to go to New York and then Hurricane Sandy hit. You can so be out at like 3 a.m. And it, well, this was pre-COVID. It's probably different now, but pre-COVID, you could be out at 3 a.m. And the streets are like bustling like it's 2 p.m. City that never sleeps. Honestly. There was, Seriously. when I went to New York though, we did go to leave one morning. We went on uh, Easter weekend and we didn't, we didn't know this about Easter weekend. Apparently that's gang initiation weekend. And apparently part of gang initiation weekend is like sometimes this doesn't always happen, but apparently this is what the hotel worker was telling us. So this could be complete bullcrap. But what the hotel worker was telling us was part of gang initiation weekend is some of the members they will make just go out and kill someone like random person. And so that happened in front of our hotel, apparently. So we went to leave that morning and the front entrance of the hotel was blocked and no one would tell us why. And then we walked. So they said, you have to go out the back. And there was a police officer telling us that. So we walked out the back. And of course, the first thing we did is walk around to the front of the hotel to see what the heck's going on. Uh And they had the crime scene tape up and they were zipping up a body bag. And there was like blood all over the street. I was like, what the heck? Because this is like 7 a.m. And I was like, what the heck happened? So then we went out about our day because everyone, that was the other thing. No, we were the only people that stopped to look at like what's going on. Everyone else mm. is just like walking by, looking at you like, why the heck Crazy, are you stopping? Dude. I'm like, they there is a dead person right here. Like you're walking past a crime scene right here. Stuff doesn't go down. No one cared. No one cared. And then, so then we get back to the hotel and I said something to the like doorman or person at the check-in desk. He's like, yeah, it's gang initiation weekend. There's always one or two out there. He goes, he goes, you'll notice it tonight. He goes, now that that's happened, they'll know kind of where gangs are targeting. He goes, uh, you'll see more police officers tonight than you've ever seen in your life. And so, obviously, we were kind of scared to go out, but we still did because we were like, we're in New York. You got to you gotta see this. And sure enough, they had like barricades, like the sidewalks were barricaded like up to bathroom, here. Bro. And like every like 15 feet, there was a police officer with an assault rifle. 
just like every that 15, crazy, 20 feet. Dude. And then they I've had like police towers city. on the corners and stuff. With it was snipers. it was wild. I've that's never crazy. lived. I was in like, the city, I feel bro. like I'm in. A, I feel like I'm in a war zone right now. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forget that. That was the last time I went to New York. I like the. Suburbs. Don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go to New York every, like every summer growing up, and I was always only concerned with one thing, and that was how do I get in the, whatever the party cab? What's the cab with the t- that was the oh, TV show? Oh yeah, that they asked you questions. Yeah, the trivia cab, trivia or something. Ca- something like that. <laughs> Do you have, have you ever seen that, Trevor? Yeah. Okay, that's funny. That's, I just wanted to get in that taxi, but we didn't ever take taxis, so it didn't. It didn't we, uh, my biggest concern when I went to New York every time was there was this big magic shop. Oh god, based out of New York. <laughs> I mean, I would have and, about that too. And uh, there is a like, it was, wow. It was kind of like foundation in a way. Oh. Now that I think about it, maybe this is how I, why foundation is the way it is. Basically how I discovered the magic shop was the owner of the magic shop would make, uh, I forget what the title, name of the magic shop was now, but he made weekly videos where he just like did street magic for people. Or he would just do magic in the shop or whatever. Like, he constantly was just doing the tricks that were in the shop. Yeah. And he was just a very entertaining YouTuber. And I started watching him having no idea that it was a shop. And then next thing I knew, I realized, oh my gosh, this is an online retail store. And, like, all the stuff this guy's doing, I can buy and I can do. Mm. So then it became, like, my main thing. Then I realized, oh my gosh, it's a five, ten-minute walk from our hotel to where this magic shop's headquarters is. And they have an in-person store. I was like, this is incredible. So we went, <laughs> and I walk in, and that guy's working the shop. Lost my mind. And he, did, he did magic for me, That's and he sold cool. me on a quarter So you a can like make money doing trick. magic? It's like kind of a niche oh. thing. What is... Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making What's a joke. What's like the, the best or coolest like magic trick like prop or thing like that you bought that you're like most excited about like all time? Like that you were most pumped about getting? Well, okay, so... Was it the bunny and the hat? No, so there was once, there's this, uh, there was this guy, his name was Mikami. I probably pronounced that wrong. M-I-K-A-M-E. And he made, uh, prop magic, yeah. right? Uh, and so there's a few different tricks he did, but he handmade all of them. That's cool. Himself. That's cool. And so I bought two or three from our, uh, like the local magic shop at Smith Mountain Lake. I bought two or three tricks, uh, from him because the dude was getting very old and then shortly after that, he died. So I used one of them a little bit, but the other ones I just put on my shelf as like mm. collector items because you can't buy it anymore because what, anyone's past that. Like, what did they do? So one was a butterfly that you took two scarves and you put it in to here. Like, you just ran it through the, the wing. And then the third one you put through the middle, I believe. And then uh, they basically tied themselves without you touching it. Wow. I forget exactly what... The trick was a lot cooler than that, but that, that was more cool. or less the essence. Uh, and he was just like... The way he handmade it all was very thoughtful. And the other one was... Uh, um, It was a big tower that had a bunch of popsicle sticks that were numbered. And you could like shake it and one would come out. But basically, I forget again what the, the gimmick to it was, but there is some way that like... I could have you shake it Mm-hmm. But know what number you're gonna get before I gotcha. before I handed it to you. So like I would shake it and show like random numbers were coming out, and then I could hand it to you, blindfold gotcha. myself, whatever, however you wanted the trick to go, because like it was just a number, so you could factor you that number, number into any you kind could of have tricks. A pick a card if you wanted. Yeah. Well, you could factor that yeah, and that number into any kind of tricks, but it was a way to force you 
without you having any clue because you're mm-hmm. like, yeah. I'm literally holding this thing and That's shaking out a number. Yeah. And like you would shake out the number and be like, that one, that first one's yours. You look at it and be like, all right, now shake out a few more numbers to make sure you're getting different numbers. And as soon as you shook out the number I forced on you, the rest of them were random. Mm-hmm. So like you would get the number 13 and then the rest of them were completely random. So you'd be like, all right, well, there's no way he knows. But I knew. He knew. That he one knew. was cool. Uh, but the one that I was most excited and used the most was called an Omni Deck. Mm. And all it was was a piece of plexiglass that was the size of a deck of cards. And the side of it was textured in a way that it looked like a card deck. Hmm. And basically what you would do is, you know, you know, ambitious card routine. You ever heard no. that? So basically an ambitious card routine is you pick a card and then I control that card to constantly be jumping to the top. Okay. okay. So yeah. like like most of the time it, it starts with like you put it in the middle of the deck I cut the deck a few times it's on top right yeah. then I put it back in the middle of the deck I show you the top card it's not it I show you the bottom card yeah. it's not it I turn over the top card snap my fingers change it into your card something yeah, like that yeah, so yeah. The card's constantly jumping well then what this would do is basically I would halfway into the ambitious card routine hand you the card and say look a lot of times people think I'm using different cards cheating like multiples of the same card I want you to sign it and I reach for my Sharpie, and at this point, I would switch my deck to the Omni deck. Mm-hmm. Hand you the Sharpie, you sign it. The Omni deck was a clear plexiglass. The top had one card on it. So when I'm holding it in my hand, it looks like a full deck of cards because right. the side was a little textured. And then what you could do is shift the card forward so that the back pops up a little bit. And then when you hand me the card back, I slide it in. It looks like it's in the middle of the deck. Yeah. Mm. Right. Then what I would do is I'd be like, all right, so that's in the middle of the deck. Everyone agrees, yeah, it's in the middle of the deck. You'd hold out your hand, put the Omni deck in your hand with your card and one card on top, right? And then I would, uh, I think actually, I'm trying to think exactly how you'd do it. Because when it was in your hand, I wanted only one card in your hand. So I think what I would do is I, once your card went in the middle, I think I would show you the top card and be like, no, that's not your card, right? And you're like, no. Like, so you tell I didn't I didn't shift it to the top and I'd throw that card out because like no one ever thinks anything of that. I'm like, all right, hold out your hand. Put it in there and I put your hand on top. And I'm like, don't let me in there, whatever you do. Don't let me touch that deck. I'm like, all right. And, we'll, and I'd walk you through what, we, what all we just did. So you forget the whole Sharpie thing. Mm-hmm. Like your card's signed. So if I'm able to get your card from the middle of your deck, you'll know it's yours, right? I'm like, yeah. And you're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Don't move your hands. I'm just going to reach in and I'm going to pull out a card and it's going to be your card. Reach in, pull out just the top card because that's the only card left at this mm-hmm. point. I switched the deck. Pull it out, flip it around. It's your card. Everyone at that point is like, what the heck? Like, that was crazy. I'm like, not only that, but that was very easy for me because the rest of the deck's gone. Like, the rest of the deck's not gone. It's in my hands. Then you open your hands and it's just a piece of plexiglass. Then people like lose their mind. Because basically in their mind, what it looks like was a card just bouncing around this deck. He's handling the deck the whole time, put the deck in my hand, and now the whole deck's gone. I think I speak for us all when I say you need to bring in the Omni deck. I I couldn't do it again. I agree. Do you have the Omni deck I definitely still have the Omni deck I just want to see it. I can bring it in. I'll look up a picture now. Okay. But I can definitely visualize. I can definitely find it. I don't think I'd be able to do it again because that that trick was very sleight of hand heavy. Yeah. It took a lot of... I'm sure. Like I, I, that was a trick I practiced the most. I mean, deck swapping mm-hmm. is already like that's gonna be tough. I used to do a bit of card magic, and but most of the tricks that I did were very beginner, and a lot of them just relied on math, not sleight of hand. Math is fun. That's the Omni deck there because you, could, oh, could, you couldn't mess up the math tricks. And that's the Omni work. deck. 
That's cool. Well, just to let you know, Hunter, if you want to head start to go ahead and start running, you've got about five minutes before the feds show up because I reported you for sharing a magic trick. Oh, I used to teach magic on YouTube. Wow. My favorite trick that I would do the most was my SpongeBob routine. SpongeBob routine? SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, you had little balls that were just sponge balls. Uh-huh. And they were very easy to do sleight of hand with because they were mm-hmm. squishy. Mm-hmm. So you could make them into very tiny parts. And so, and also people couldn't tell how many were in their hand because you squished down a sponge ball. Gotcha. Yeah. It was super fun. So like you put one in my hand, I put one in your hand, both are in your hand. Got them. Boom. My hand's empty. You open up, both are in your hand, mind blown. There's one trick that I saw that was very funny. I want funny. you to do that to me. That one, I, I think I could still do that. Because that, I practiced that so much. There's a Penn and Teller routine that was really funny that they did, I think on SNL, where they're doing this routine and they're doing... Um, a lot of things where the card is jumping out of the deck. Yeah. And I've seen, like, there are ways to actually do that with, like, rubber bands that you hook in there and have it jump out. But the way they were doing it, I'd never seen before. And they're doing all kinds of things where they're getting things to jump. Just jump, jump, jump. And you're like, what is going on? And then the trick ends and the camera zooms out and you realize they've been hanging by their ankles the entire time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love that one. That one's so So funny. So everything, they're just using gravity. They're just letting the card just fall. From yeah, where they were hanging. That one is very funny. I just I love stuff like that. One time you can't guess. One time at a school event, there was this magician who went around, and um this was the second most mind blown I've ever been by a magician. Magician. That would be a, a whole different genre. By a magician in person. Um, but at some point during this, I don't know the whole trick, but at some point during this, I held my hand out and there was an X on my hand, a Sharpie X yeah. on my hand. And I swear it, it blew my mind because I swear this guy never touched me. And that's where I was like, what the crap? You can buy that trick. How did this happen? I never, my, I've never done it, but you can, you can buy it. My thing is with, ma- with magic shows is I don't think I've ever been more compelled to buy anything in my life more than a magic set when I had just watched a magic show and there's magic sets being sold yeah. by that magician yeah. outside They're the They're all the same exact the, set. The trick, yeah, the tricks that he just did on stage a few times as well. Like, I don't think I'd ever beg my parents as much as I it's need a genius it. thing. You like need he does, to have it. The cup, oh. Because then you can know how they're done. So it's like a double yeah, whammy. Exactly. Like The best one is like cups and balls. That's like the oldest, literally yeah. the oldest trick in the uh-huh. books. Literally. But... So all the sets they sell have like really cheap cups and balls, but what like the techniques? It's similar to what we were talking about, like with English Uh earlier in this episode, where like once you know the rules, you know how to break the rules. Yeah. Same thing with cups and balls. Cups and balls has these like set rules of how you make things work, but then once you know it and you know a bunch of other sleight of hand, you can then apply that sleight of hand to cups and balls, and then you look like a freaking wizard. Because then it's like, oh, ball through cup. Nope, that's a lemon. How? That's a lemon. That's have a lemon. Said, <laughs> I'm gonna have to show y'all. Uh, I forget, I'll have to find his name, but there's this one guy who has like one of the most famous cups and balls routine, and it's just pure sleight of hand, and he's so good at it that it just blows your mind. I always like uh, what's it called? Three card Monty. That's a good one. I love watching that. That's very fun to watch. Sleight of hand is incredible. I, yeah, it really is. Magic's fun. Magic's a Dude, good. I time. think a lot of us all had like it. A magic phase, even if it was a magic phase that lasted a day or a magic phase that lasted a, a few years, like we all kind of had a phase where we were like, yeah, everybody kind of had a magic phase, you know, 
Like that's. I remember I went to a birthday party once for my friend that was magic themed, and he had a magician come, and then everybody got little magic sets as like a that's handout. Cool. That's cool. There's a friend that had some money, so like he yeah. could afford to give everybody their little <laughs> magic set. That's pretty. Cool. I went through like I would all the time in high school. I would die hard watch a ton of magicians on YouTube, but I only tried to do magic a little bit, and I just like. Once I figured out how hard sleight of hand was, I was like, yeah. mm, it takes really a lot of practice. I my dad was a magician actually. He had a, he had a, a local TV show. Whenever, no freaking whenever way. Whenever he was in high school, he actually had a local TV show where he was he That's was a cool. clown magician. That's amazing. so I don't know how much credit you use. I you get lose magicians, that, but, magician. You know, it's um, like frisbee. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's why I also know how to juggle is because my dad was very good at juggling. Yeah. So I was basically a clown that never had makeup. Gotcha. Because I juggled and did magic for birthday parties. Hmm. Clown. <laughs> I was a clown. Yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> I don't know how long we've been going, but that's all I got. Magic, right, magic right. coffee and juggling—that's me. Magic coffee—that's what—that's what we call them in the office. I used to have a YouTube friend, and I haven't—I haven't. Let's haven't, see if he still does anything. It was JT Magic. I'm about to hit this dude up. See if he still's around. He—he right, well. he was a little older than me. Part of my magic obsession And he was, like helped me with YouTube back I in really the day. liked collecting card decks for a little oh, bit. Oh, you should see my card deck collection. I, I had I had probably twenty or thirty. You know White I Monarchs? Like shuffling cards. White Monarchs? Yeah. Red L T D. I don't know if I've heard of that. Mm. I wasn't White I, Monarchs, they sold out before I could get them. A lot of the decks I had, Hunter, were just a lot of different bicycles. I decks. got a lot of Theory Eleven, a lot of uh is it evolution decks? I don't know. Has a the e a the lot circle. of the ones I had were just different bicycle decks. I have a lot of bicycle decks. I just had like, I try to get as many different colors and styles of bicycle decks. Theory 11 came out with white monarchs and I there was like true white monarchs and then there was white monarchs that were like stock run and the true white monarchs sold out really fast. And then I purchased from their site like three decks of black monarchs and one blue monarch like two weeks after and they just threw in the true white monarch into that package Dang, so and I like emailed them that's crazy I emailed them and they're like yeah we had a few laying around the warehouse just threw them in random orders like congrats oh that is sick. I checked the price of it like two years ago it was worth like 90 bucks oh my gosh for that deck. Wow. I never I never touched it I didn't open it because awesome. I got the like stock white monarch that I could like mess with and look cool but mm. the true white monarch I never touched and the red to this day to this day yeah it's still in the cellophane oh yeah I don't mess Show around and tell I don't mess around I could bring in my car collection I'm yeah let me see what they're going for I want to see. I like, haven't checked eBay in a while. Cards. I feel like Magic's really fallen off, so I feel like I'm about to be very disappointed. Uh, yeah, it has. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna search White Monarchs and be like, I should have sold you them also, so did long ago. You see, ago. they had Chris Angel at the NFL Draft. I did not. That's he was cool, hanging though. from a chain in a straight jacket, and he twisted himself <laughs> out of it. And Sick. everybody kind of made fun of him on Twitter. So yeah. that's where Magic's mm-hmm. at right now. Well, Chris Angel was kind of always a meme. Ah, uh, there no, was a time back, when he was cool. Yeah, like, when he first uh, like rose to fame, like people were pretty sure that he was a god. So like <laughs> the man was running okay. himself over with a steamroller. This one, this one, brand new, sold for eighty nine ninety a few weeks ago. This one sold for seventy five. See, these are like that's the stock sick, monarchs. That's a sick looking deck. Seventy six, eighty nine. That's cool. So they're still going for a decent bit. Not as cool as a Rip Revenge deck, but this one up? sold for <laughs> this one. Oh, because this one's still sealed. So this is what I have. One fifty. Imagine if you if you took your ripped two seventy five. Why did that go wow. for two seventy five? Imagine if you um rigged your ripped revenge deck and then like you were jumping the cards you wanted at the top of your deck. You were just forcing That'd cards. I was counting cards. 
Do you guys I know feel like I told you about the time I got kicked out of poker. I kept dealing myself really good hands, right? That's a stare. No, no but yeah. that's so my funny. my dad would have like a weekly poker just with all them dealing or something. He had like a weekly poker. Te- we played Texas Hold'em, and that's weekly hysterical. he would play with all, like had some of his friends over. They all brought their kids. I mm-hmm. was like twelve or thirteen at the time. It was when I was really into magic, mm-hmm. and but I loved poker, and so my dad would just let me play with them because yeah. I would just sit at the deck, of, cart at the table. I wouldn't say anything, and we would just yeah. play poker. Well, around that time is when I was really learning a lot of card manipulation. Yeah, so you could and do what you wanted. I like realized that whenever it was my turn to deal, like no one cared what I Were did. Were you just giving yourself aces? No, I would deal myself like straights. Straights? Like I would. What like, are you talking about? Straights? I would deal myself like we'll go. How many cards were you playing? Yeah, was Texas it? Hold'em, two so cards. So I would deal like okay. I'd deal myself like a oh, were you, you ten king? And then I would. Oh, you were setting up the like the uh, flop yeah. and everything. Yeah, so oh, I, would, like, I, would, like, I was like, what are you doing? And like, I'd be like talking to you like this, and the whole time I'm just. So you you were setting and up the I flop, would the turn, the river, and do everything. The, like my fake like fake cuts and stuff, all just making eye contact with everyone talking. That's hysterical. And then I deal and it out. And the flop comes out, and it's like yeah. nine and jack queen. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> we go and like you know it's we're betting, 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 and first time people are like, okay, you got a straight. So like every- the fourth time that game that I got a straight when I dealt, <laughs> people were like, "You should have threw in a flush." Like I was every thirteen. Once in a while. I was thirteen. I was just stoked I was doing this. <laughs> I was just so stoked I was doing this. About Dude, the fourth time, easier. about the fourth time, my dad goes, "Hunter," I said, "Yeah." He goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Every time you've dealt, you've got a straight." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, That's I was like, so I was like, I don't know. It's luck of the draw." He goes, "Hunter," and I said, "I don't know." And he goes, "Hunter," I was you like, playing for real money. I don't know if they were or not. I wasn't. Yeah. I was just playing for chips. He's like, Hunter. I was like, yeah. He goes, what did you learn? I was like, I, I rigged the deck. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm just holding, I'm, I'm dealing from, from beneath for y'all and dealing from the top for me. <laughs> He's like, what? Because like, if you deal fast, you can just pull from the bottom yeah. and yeah. you like push the top card off. So I was bottom dealing all of them and then yeah. top dealing myself. Really easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very easy. And I practiced it a ton to like, I was, I was good at it. And he's like, you're not playing poker anymore. I was like, yes, sir. So I didn't get to play poker anymore with them. So <laughs> every week I was just, and I'm never playing with poker, poker with you. I couldn't, I could ever. not do it. I it could takes, not do it yeah, right you now. Be that very took practiced. me like, I was sitting in front of a mirror, like fake dealing yeah, you for gotta, like hours every day. so funny. You gotta be very practiced at. I miss playing poker because I used to play with my roommates. I love poker. The problem that I had with poker is when we started getting into it, my roommates and I, I dove in head first. I was watching it. Like, I enjoyed watching poker, which I never thought I would. I loved it. I was getting into theory. Like, I was really getting in deep. And then I would play my roommates, who maybe only one of them actually really knew how to play poker. Oh, it's so frustrating. So, what would happen is, I would lose a hand because I played it exactly how everybody else was playing the hand. And then Uh the person would beat me because they didn't know the hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, they'd be like, oh, I had a straight the whole time. Somebody else would even point it out for them. Uh Oh, that led to some of our biggest fights ever. Yeah. When somebody else would point out a hand that somebody had. I, I flipped the table once. Heck yeah. Um, actually, the very first night I ever met my wife, um, she came over to our apartment because she was a mutual friend. And I didn't even, I didn't know who she was or anything. And she was just kind of sitting there watching us play poker. And I freaked out on everybody and, and ran to the, <laughs> And I walked out and went to my bedroom. Freaked out on everybody. And that was the first time she ever and saw she me. And she married you. And she married me. The worst, so, the worst thing with poker is whenever you're playing, like my mom does this. And it drives me crazy. It. It's so hard. I've and, never even to this day played with a group of people who really know what they're doing. Uh, well, we should play because, well, I, don't, I wouldn't say that we all uh, yeah, really I don't know, know what we're I don't doing, know how, what line is really no, but like, you, you're, you're not going to have to tell me I have a straight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that would be good enough. 
Well, what my, what my mom does is she goes, this is my last hand anyway, so I'm all in no matter what. Oh, oh I hate and like, that. That's not fair, mom. And she's like, why? Because because like, I got aces right now. <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, because like it just depends on who gets the luckier hand this round on who wins. Yeah. Because the whole game is, yeah, a little bit of luck, but also like how good you are at betting. But if you got the good hand this round, you win well, the whole entire yeah. game. It doesn't matter what you did the rest the of the time. The thing is, too, like we used to not play with blinds a lot of times. Oh, um, you have to play with blinds. Well, you don't have to when you're playing with people who don't know what they're doing because they're going to bet. You don't need to incentivize them to bet. <laughs> um, when when I play every single hand, know, they're, they're, they're throwing in to. chips. But when you know, obviously, when you know what you're doing, you got to like you because. But if we were pl- if you were playing that way and there was no blinds and people were just going to bet no matter what, they would get mad at me because I was playing poker. I wasn't gambling. So yeah. guess what? If I draw two seven off suit, fold immediate. Just yeah, instant yeah, fold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they would get so mad, like, why don't you play some poker? And I'm like, all right, fine. And I'll throw in my eight. Jack or whatever, and just get crushed. Yeah, like, this is why. Like, I yeah. could have played in. Ine- I could have played indefinitely, and then you forced me in. I'm not a gambler, so I tried to introduce blinds to, to them, and they acted like I was talking about hieroglyphics. It was <laughs> so. Oh, it was. Now, it was if you toxic. don't play with blinds, you, you can play poker for 14 hours. Well, yeah, if you know what it you're sucks. doing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. If you're playing with brand new people, they want to toss the chips in. You know, so that's how I never you got played with those people. That's how you got them. Me and Pete would just like we would just we would just wait and just let them do their thing and buy themselves all out of chips, and then we'd play some real poker. I never played <laughs> heads with those up people. style, baby. <laughs> heads Everyone up I played with, electric. if we didn't have blinds, we were going to be there all night. Yeah, no, because I don't. I'm a pretty conservative player. I I very much pick my moments to. I'll be conservative until like hour three of poker, and then I'm like, take my chips, please, get me off this table. Mm. And even then, and then I probably I usually would only bluff if I had like an awful hand. I'm not bluffing with something that's decent because I can try I can try and get there off the flop or whatever. I'm bluffing with something real bad. I'm not telling you any of my strategies, man. Everything right, I just told you was a here lie. Here we go. Let's let's close this puppy out and let's do another sound one. Effect. Let's do another sound one effect. hand of poker to close out. You want to do sound effect? Ready? Hey, we got ripped revenge. That would be here. honestly a crazy way to end uh, the banter. Is we play at one hand. That's poker. pretty funny, actually. <laughs> ripped revenge. Do those have numbers? Ripped revenge. Revenge. Oh, they, they do have suits. Really? On them. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna play one hand of poker. All right, let's do it. Let's let's assume that the uh, no, we're just playing for pride. No, I'm saying let's assume the chip count is like one, five, ten, twenty-five, fifty. What, why don't we just play for pride? I'm just trying to give us a no. I'm trying to give a scale of like what you should be betting because somebody bets a million. How do you know what that is in the scale of the game? I'm saying we're not betting. We're just seeing who wins, baby. Face up. Okay, so we're just you're saying you're just gonna throw. I'm out just gonna five throw cards. out the cards and then I'll okay flip them. Okay, that's electric. Uh, Connor, do you want me and to then we'll reveal, you here? we'll reveal one there. at a time. Yeah, yeah. We'll reveal one at a time. Yeah. That's so fun. Don't even look at your cards. What are you talking about? I'm going to look at my cards. Well, it's not going to matter. I mean, no, you can. I'm, gonna peek. I I'm not going to look at mine. Do you want to look at yours? Nah, just leave them. All right. I'm going to show mine to the camera. That's not a real card. That's not a real card. There we go. Oh! <laughs> what, what do we got? I we can't got three see. Kings. Three, three kings. Three kings <laughs> off the flop. Has that ever happened? Wow. That was impressive. I shuffled. Y'all watch me shuffle. Well, Who's bet, got the king? I Who's nobody, got the other I king? Bet nobody has that. Well, I guarantee king. you this is like three rip decks combined. So we're probably dealing with seven. <laughs> we're, probably dealing, we're probably dealing with seven oh, kings so, right now. So maybe, we, so maybe there is a fourth king. Oh! There it is! <laughs> Oh, Magic! I freaking we, told we you. Did that. you do it? Did you stack the deck? We gotta redo that. Like, Final card. Okay. I mean, do you guys want to reveal? Double foundation, baby! Insta win. <laughs> what do I got? What do I got? Does he have a king? He has a jack. I also Ooh. have a jack. Oh, his second card doesn't count. I say I. No, his mine. second card's the infinite. Oh, so I, I should he, probably deal myself win? a new hand. Is he, I have a. Is he win with the infinite kicker? <laughs> I have an ace ten. 
and he has a jack 10. Oh, he wins with the 10 kicker. He wins with the 10 kicker. There you have it. And I'm the best at gambling. Congratulations. Spoiler alert, never... Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler nerd, uh, never... Never play poker with Ever. Evolution uh, Expansion. Expansion because really the foundation is. cards will get you. They get you every time. We'll talk to you next week.